And we're doing a Bible study today. Today we're looking at the topic of identity, which is basically knowing who you are in Christ in view of the finished work, which was finished 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary. And I personally believe one of the biggest uh, problems we have as born-again Christians is not knowing who we are. That's the reason why we struggle to do many things. That's the reason why we're struggling in our Christian faith. I remember just a short while ago, I was talking to a young man and he was telling me, hey, Christianity is very hard. And I remember thinking to myself, that's exactly what I was saying a year or two ago. But I got to understand who I am in Jesus. And when you understand what the finished work is about, uh, the fact that we are new creatures in Christ, uh, the fact that we are being redeemed, then it takes you to that place of struggling in your Christian faith to a place of thriving. Many people are struggling in their Christian faith Many people like identity. That's why many of our young people, even those in church, they, they don't, they, you cannot differentiate their lives from those of those who are not born again. Same for those who are married. Same for those who are doing their business. There is no difference. We don't stand up. We're not peculiar. We're not, a, 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 we're, we're not a special treasure. We're not marked for Jesus. There is no difference. Why? Because of not knowing who we are. And I believe that's the number one problem. Even, as, even amongst our youth today, uh, last year I was at a youth camp and I teens camp, uh, sorry, and I kept thinking to myself that the number one problem with these young people is lack of identity, because when you don't have identity, you will listen to what everyone is listening to musically, you will watch what everybody is watching, you will follow what everybody is following politically, you will follow, I mean, you will do what basically what anyone is doing, but when you have identity, you won't run with the crowd, but rather you will follow the truth. You will not follow the crowd, rather you will follow the truth. And you look at the New Testament, it isn't just us today, but even 2,000 years ago, Christians were struggling in their identity. You'll notice Paul saying to the Corinthians, What? Don't you know that your body is a temple of God? His spirit dwells within you. You look at the Apostle Peter writing to the Jewish and Gentile Christians throughout Asia Minor, and he says to them, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, because they didn't seem to be knowing. So they had to be reminded who they are or who they were when they were still alive. Amen. 
And I think it's, this is a very, very key topic. It's become one of my favorite because it puts you in that place whereby I am seated in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus. And when you're in such a place, you rule and reign. You don't struggle through your Christian faith. Rather, you're in a place of dominion. Hallelujah. And I want us to look at the first text. The first text, which my point forms are, I think if by now, you, you, if you've been watching my teachings, my point form are usually uh, based on scriptures. And the first one is John chapter 1 verse 12. If you have been born again, this is who you are. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, received who? Jesus. To them he gave the power, the authority. That's, that's the Greek is actually the authority or the right to become sons of God. And, and by the way, that word sons, you can look at it in a unisex way. You can say children of God. Even to them that believe on his name. But when you're looking at sons, back then, 2,000 years ago, the way society worked, it's the sons who received an inheritance. So whether you are a son or a daughter, if you are a son, look at it from, uh, from a point whereby it means that you have an inheritance and you are a joint heir with Christ. So he says to them that believe on him, they were given the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, the name of Jesus, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So when I was born personally as Patrick Meyer, I was born in the 90s, I was born of the flesh. When I became born again in 2011, I was born of the spirit. It is not the will of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but only the will of God. So when you become born again, your identity is found in that you have been transferred from this identity, this family, this tribe, this race, this creed or this tongue, this nationality, into the kingdom of God. You're a legitimate child of God. Jesus is the son of God, the one and only. He's unique. He's the only son of God in that he was born of God. But we have been adopted. And an adopted child has no difference between the, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a child who has been born of the flesh. Why? Because they eat from the same table. That's why it says we are seated with him right now in heavenly places in Christ. They have the same inheritance. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 7 says, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 8 verse 17 says, If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that if we suffer with him, then we shall also be glorified together. You know, sometimes when you hear about uh, us being heirs, people are thinking about um, everything is going to be well and perfect. No, you will suffer. Jesus said, if they have called me Beelzebub, what shall I call you? If they have accepted my word, they will also accept yours. If they are denied mine, they will also deny yours. Amen. So the inheritance is not just good things. It's even suffering, trials, persecutions. So I know many people don't like this part. But it's part of the Christian faith. And it's there to build us, to refine us, and to make us more like Jesus. Gold is purified through the hostest of fires. So let me read you another text. Romans chapter 8 verses 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Then he says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, where of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Where do we cry from? From the inside. Jesus said that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of the living water. Of living water. When you become born again, you become a new creature, which means your spirit man becomes alive. And the throne of the spirit is a belly. So out of your belly, you find yourself crying, Abba, Father. Then he says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So that's the first identity you have. I am a child of God. I am no longer, my, this world is no longer my home. 
Let me read you another text, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. Amen. Chapter 2 shows us that we truly are children of God. I'll read from verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him of whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. Wow. He has brought us and sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So you see, sufferings made Jesus perfect. Why should he go through the same and not we? Let's go on. He says, for both he that sanctifieth and them who are sanctified are all of one. Can you imagine that? Jesus who has made us holy and who are being made holy, we all belong to one Father. Beautiful. Identity in Christ. It says, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I love this. Jesus who is perfect and holy, we are told that he is undefiled, he is blameless, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. He is not ashamed to call me his younger brother. He is my elder brother. Wow. Just because I've been born again, so based on my works, because I've put faith in the finished work. I, I, I call, I, I put faith in the shed blood of Jesus. He says, he is not ashamed to call them brethren and saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church, I will sing praise to thee. Jesus is singing praises to me. Wow, wow, because I'm born again. Again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God has given me. So Jesus is not just an elder brother who is who is just cleansing us and sanctifying us, but he rejoices to call me his younger brother. Wow, not just me, anybody who is born again. And that's why Zephaniah chapter 3 verses 17. So picture this, the father, you remember the prodigal son when he returned? The older brother was angry. He, was that, he had that Pharisee kind of attitude, I've been a good boy, why are you welcoming back this one who has squandered off his wealth and harlots and drinking? But Jesus is a different kind of elder brother. He's the elder brother who is singing praises. He's so happy to see you come back. That's why he said uh, he will leave the 99 to follow that one lost sheep. So the, Jesus is dancing over you. He's singing praises to you. And the, and the Father is also dancing over you. Zephaniah 3.17 says that the Father is dancing over us. He rejoices and dances over us. What a wonderful family to be part of. Number two, the identity that you have in Christ is not only are you born again, but you're also anointed. <laughs> and most people think anointing is for those who are being called into ministry, those who are pastors and bishops. And true, there are different level, levels of the anointing, but we are all anointed. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verses 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. He did not just say, he didn't say pastors, evangelists, prophets, bishops, archbishops, theologians. He says those who are believe, those who are those who believe. Are you a believer? Then you are anointed. To do what? To cast out devils, to take up serpents, to drink any deadly thing shall not hurt them, to speak in tongues, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover to preach the gospel with power to the ends of the earth. So, if you are born again, you are anointed. That's the identity you have. If you don't know what you don't have, let me tell you, you will never use it. And if you don't know what you don't have, the devil will take advantage of you. First John chapter 2, verse 20 says, But you have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The apostle John was encouraging the believers at Ephesus and throughout the whole world. He was the last remaining apostle. 
He was watching this poor man in his 80s or 90s. And he's telling them, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Then verse 27 says, but the anointing which you have received of him, it abides in you. It's remaining. And it says, it, you, you do not need that any man should teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you all things, and his truth and is no lie, even is that it, it, it has taught you, you shall abide in him. So the anointing is there to remain. It's not going anywhere. Romans 11, 29 says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So the anointing remains. It abides in you. Hallelujah. People think you have to get to this level of some Christianity after praying for so long and fasting. These things are very important. But you're already anointing. Anointed, sorry. Make use of what you have now before God can trust you with higher levels of anointings. First Corinthians 3, verse 16, 16 to 17, the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, he says that your bodies are the temple of the living God, and his spirit dwells in you. He says, whosoever shall defile the, body, the temple of God or his body, him shall God destroy. So because your temple is the, is the temple of the living God, the spirit of God dwells in you, you don't want to defile it. You don't want to defile your body through sex. You don't want to defile your body through uh, lies, through greed, through covetousness, through blasphemies, through all these things that are under the word of God. And I'll show you how to do that in a moment. So this is not a, if you have done that already, praise God for his grace. He is there to forgive you and to cleanse you and to renew you. Hallelujah. And then 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, look at what Paul says. He says, what? Don't you know that your body is a temple of God? His spirit dwells within you. <laughs> He says, what, don't you know? You see, identity, they didn't know who they are, the Corinthians. And so they were engaging in gross sexual sin because they didn't know who they are. And Paul was trying to remind them, the apostle Paul was trying to remind them. Look at what he says, what? Don't you know that your body is the temple of God, of the Holy Ghost, who is in you, whom you have from God? And he says that you are not your own. So he says, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits which are God, which belongs to God. So that's the identity you have because his, your body has become his temple. His spirit dwells within you. You don't live for yourself anymore. That's why we, Romans 12 says, Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is the reasonable service. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. And how do you renew, renew your mind? through the cleansing of washing of water by the word. You are sanctified by the truth and the word of God is truth. So as you read the scriptures, it sanctifies you. It cleanses your vessel and your body. Amen. Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Let me read you another text so that you can see that God really did something in you when you became born again. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion does light have with darkness? And what connection does Christ have with, 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 with demons? What part does he that believes have with an infidel? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? So it says, For you are the temple of the living God. Look at that, that's your identity. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them. I will be their God, they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. Be you separate, saith the Lord. And I and touch not the clean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So watch this. Your body is a temple of God. His spirit dwells within you. Christ dwells in your heart by faith. 
Christ is in you, the hope of glory. The Father walks in you and he dwells in you. That's the identity. The whole trinity, the triune nature, the whole triune nature of God dwells in you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are told in 2 Corinthians 3, 14, 13 verses 14. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus. The grace is found in the Lord Jesus. The love is from God. And the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now. Amen. About your identity is found in a very profound scripture. Um, Sinach, the wonderful worship leader from Pastor Chris, the man of God, Pastor Chris Oyakilope's ministry, sang this beautiful song which went viral all over the world. In fact, it was even being played in clubs. <laughs> uh, I know who I am. And if you listen to that song closely, it's a very, very powerful song. There's something about it. Whenever I listen to it, something rises up in me from my spirit on the inside. I'm not talking about being emotional and feeling good. I'm talking about understanding who you are. And she, the song is called, I Know Who I Am. And she wrote it from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. That's the text you want to look at. And again, Peter is speaking to the church and he's telling them, this is who you are. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not yet obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Then he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You are a chosen generation. God has chosen you, my dear beloved, if you are born again. You are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. From the foundation of the world, God chose you, set you apart, wrote your name in the book of life. You know that those who are born again, their names were written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. You say, where is that in the Bible? Revelation 13 verse 8. Revelation 17 verse 8. It says that those who don't take the, book, uh, the, the mark of the beast are those whose names were found in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So my name, Patrick Mayo, I don't know, I don't know how they've written my name, maybe it's all my four names, I have four names, Patrick Mayo, maybe it's only those two names, maybe it's just Patrick, I don't know, but one thing I know, the spirit bears witness in my spirit, is that my name was written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world, hallelujah, so I am elect, I am a chosen generation, to be elect means that you are chosen, you are set aside, you are told in the tribulation that if it were possible, even the elect can be deceived, but the elect cannot be deceived, hallelujah. So when you're elect and you're chosen, you cannot be deceived. You cannot be swayed aside. You cannot go to the wrong things. Why? Because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, that he would guide us into all truth and that he would glorify Jesus. Remember, we just read that the anointing is in us. It teaches us all things. The anointing is full of truth. It has no lie. Hallelujah. So because you're elect, you're chosen. Because you're elect, you can say like King David in Psalm 40, verses 7 to 8. And remember, King David was speaking before Calvary. But we are in a better covenant, established upon better promises, hallelujah, that is sealed by the precious blood of Jesus. Psalm 40, verse 7 to 8, David says, In the volume of the book, in your scroll, it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. That is what the elect are all about. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. Psalm 139, verse 13 says that, even before my mother, sorry, before I was found in my mother's womb, you knew me through and through. It says, every day before I lived it, all my days were written in your book. This is for those who are born again. Psalm 139 verses 13 to 18. 
So we are a chosen generation. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, his handiwork. We have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance to do for us to do. So basically, we are living a script that was written from the foundation of the world. That's why I can say, it, as the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2.13, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for your own good pleasure. It is God who is at work in you. So we have entered his rest. Hebrews 4 verses 3 says, The works were finished from the foundation of the world. Then says verses 9, There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. So it says, We who have found rest, we have ceased from our own works. Why? Because it is God who works in us, both to will and to do for his own good pleasure. Christ is all. He does it all. My prayer life, it is Jesus. My reading the word, it is Jesus. My fellowship, it is Jesus. My preaching, it is Jesus. My words that I speak, those, the ones which minister grace to the hearers, it is Jesus. The righteousness and true holiness, it is all Jesus. That's why I can say I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Hallelujah. So I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood. What does it mean to be a royal priesthood? You are a king and priest. Revelation chapter 5, 1 verse 6 says that unto him who loved us, shed his own blood for our, for our own sins, he has made us to be kings and priests, and we shall reign in the earth. Revelation 5 10 says the same thing, we, are, we shall reign in the earth. But watch this, not only will he reign in the earth, in Revelation chapter 20 it says that we will reign for all eternity as kings and priests. And not only do we, do we reign for all eternity, not only will we reign for a thousand years, not only will we reign for all eternity, but you even reign now in life. How? Where do you get that in the Bible? Let's read Romans chapter 5 verse 17. I'm reading you the will that God has for you. Hallelujah. Romans 5 17 says, For if by one man's offense, that is Adam, death reigned by one, much more, I love this, the gospel is always much more. I think you have heard Joseph Prince say that. The gospel of grace is always much more. It says, much more, they who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, they reign. We are reigning as kings and priests. We reign in life through one, Christ Jesus. So we are a chosen generation. We are a holy royal priesthood, kings and priests. We are a holy nation. Second Corinthians 5.21, he has made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, so that we are made the righteousness of God in him. Our righteousness is imputed. Before God, I am holy. So that's why I can say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a holy nation, a peculiar people. What does it mean to be a peculiar people? We are strangers and pilgrims. This world is not our home. We are waiting for a city which has been built by God's own hand. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I love this topic. John chapter 14, the Spirit of God is leading me to scriptures I don't even plan for. John chapter 14 says, Let not your heart be troubled. This is Jesus at the Last Supper. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If you're not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's our home. We are peculiar people, His own special treasure. We are strangers and pilgrims. This world doesn't understand us because we're not of this world. We are in the world, but not of the world. Like I've said before, doesn't mean that now we've become a cult. <laughs> we go and form a cult and go and live underground somewhere. No, we're underground somewhere. No, we continue to live in this world. We'll enjoy the things of the world. But at, in our, our operating system, rooted within our spirits, we know that we are a peculiar people. That's why our treasures are laid in heaven, where moth does not destroy, where thieves do not break through and steal. Because where our treasure is, there is our heart also. 
Let me read you a final text just to show you what it means to be in Christ and to be a peculiar people. Hebrews chapter 11, very powerful text talking about our, the, the patriarch, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place he did not know, he went, not knowing where he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles or in tents with Isaac and Jacob. The same hairs of the promises him. Then it says, For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verses 12 says, verses 13 says, These all died in faith. Who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims of the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they truly seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they came, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now, they desire a heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So we are a royal priesthood, uh, sorry, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Hallelujah. That is identity in Christ Jesus. Fourth thing about identity in Christ is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2. I'll read it. It says, and begin from verse 1. Remember, this is the church of Corinth, the church that had so many controversies uh, with sexual sin, with not wanting to give. They, they, they were reluctant givers. They didn't want to give their money towards the work of God and so many other issues. But look at the identity. And Paul is trying to point in the, point in the he's, he's telling them, because this is who you are, you're not supposed to be doing this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 says, Paul called an apostle, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes is our brother. And to the church of God which is at Corinth, to them who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, hey, called to be saints with all that are in every place called upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So Paul is telling the Corinthians, they are sanctified in Christ Jesus. That word sanctified, it's a Greek word, which basically means to be set apart as holy, consecrated. Set apart for his own special service, special use. Basically what he was telling Timothy in first, Second Timothy chapter 2 verses 20, 19 verse 20 says that they are vessels of honor. So when you are sanctified, you are set apart, you are consecrated, you are declared as holy. A special vessel set apart for his God's own special service and use. So they were consecrated, they were set apart, they are sanctified. And not only that, they are called to be saints. Some Christians believe for you to be a saint, you have to live a certain way. Then when you die, a certain committee sits down to decide to, to decide whether you are saved or not. Whether you are a saint or not. But the Bible declares us to be saints just by the virtue that you are born again. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11, Paul tells the Corinthians they had been homosexuals, liars, fornicators, adulterers, thieves, sorcerers all kinds of things greedy covetous but he says but some but you, you are like that but now you are washed hallelujah you are sanctified that word again set apart as holy you have been justified in the name of the lord jesus and by the spirit of our god romans chapter 8 verses 29 to 31 tells us that we have been or we know that all things work together for good we know we who are born again this is our identity we know that all things our successes our failures our past our present our future our weaknesses and our strength. We know that all things work together for good. Why? Because we love God. 
we are called according to his purpose. Then he says, for whom he did foreknow, those he, for, he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So we are called to decrease while Jesus increases. He must increase, as John the Baptist says, while I decrease. We are predestined. We have been called. Then he says, they were justified and have also been glorified. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.6 says that I am seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. So I have been called, I have been predestined, I have been called, I have been justified, and I am also glorified. Wow. That's the identity I have in Jesus. What a blessing it is to be born again. Why would I trade this for anything else in this world? This is who the Bible says you are. Believe it, receive it, accept it, confess it. And that's exactly what you will continue to be, to become more like Jesus. Amen. The fifth thing about identity in Christ is the fact that God's love dwells in you. Let me repeat that again. The fifth thing about identity in Christ is the fact that God's love dwells in you. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says that hope does not make us to be ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost given unto us. The love of God is shed abundantly in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So because the Holy Spirit is in my life, the love of God is shed abundantly. It's poured out endlessly, continuously. Picture it like a, a flood, like a river just pouring from your spirit. Remember Jesus said that out of your belly, your heart is a spirit man. And remember when you got born again, you were circumcised in the heart. Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 says that we were circumcised through the putting away of the body of the flesh and the putting on of Jesus Christ. Uh, David talked about us being created. The Lord has created in us a clean heart. He's renewed a right spirit in us. In Ezekiel 36 verse 26, he says, This is a new covenant that I'll make with Israel. That, I'll, that, that I will take out the hard heart from their hearts, give them a soft heart of flesh. I will give them my spirit that they shall walk in my commandments and do them. And one thing about the love of God is to keep his commandments. So because the love of God is a shed abroad in my heart, I find myself drawn towards his commandments and I do them. Amen. I want to read a text from the book of Romans chapter 8 of how powerful the love of God is. Nothing can separate you from his love. Romans chapter 8 verses 31 says that what then shall we say to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? What things? The fact that we are predestined, we have been called, you have been justified, and you have been glorified. So what then shall we say to these things? To everything, everything negative in our lives, all our successes, all our failures, our past, our present, our future. Whatever circumstance you're in, this is if you are born again. If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, what then can you say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he with him also not freely how shall he with him also not freely give us all things? If God was willing to give us his own son, what is it that God can't give you? Whether it's a spouse, whether it's money, whether it's wealth whether it's good health, whether it's prosperity, whether it's righteousness and true holiness, if he was willing to give his son, there is nothing that can compare to what he has already given. Amen. So the love is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit given unto us. This is what it reveals. God commends his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Unconditional love it is. It's amazing. That love completes us. It makes us whole. It is what we need. I know especially men, who are, we are taught to be strong and to look strong and to be the pillar of society and that's true but you should be vulnerable if there is any person to whom we're supposed to be vulnerable before it's God 
because he knows us he knows all our weaknesses and our failures and our uh, fears and our the thing that make us feel intimidated and inad- he knows our inadequacies and only he can feel us I usually say this that there is a God-shaped hole in the heart of every human being that can only be filled by, by the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord so guess what because I have the love of God shed abroad abundantly in my heart I'm complete Wow Colossians 2 verse 9 to 10 says that you are complete through him who is the head of all principality and power. Ephesians 1.23 says that we are made full and complete through our union with Christ Jesus. So let's continue with Romans chapter 8. It says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? So who can accuse God's elect? No one. It is God who justifies. Who is that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, who is even risen? Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? So Jesus who is supposed to be accusing us who is supposed to be condemning us rather is the one who is, who is interceding for us what great love how oh, it's such a blessing to be born again it says who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or persecution or distress or famine or nakedness or peril or sword for as it is for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for i am persuaded this is my identity in christ for i am persuaded neither death nor life no angels, no principalities, no powers, no things present, no things to come, no height. Hallelujah. No depth, no any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I have the love of God. It shed abroad abundantly in me. It means that nothing can separate me from the love of God. 1 John 2 verses 15 to 17 says that love not the world because the love of God is in you. Do not love the world and the things they are in. Then he says for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. He says the world is passing away and the things they are in. But he who does the will of God shall endure forever. So because the love of God is in me, the love of the Father, the, the love, which is the love of the Father, the love of the world, I cannot love the world. It's not possible. That's why when the devil came to Jesus, he says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He said, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but rather every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took Jesus to a high mountain. He says, look at all these kingdoms with all their glories, all their riches and their wealth. If you bow down to me I will worship, and, and worship me, I will, I will be able to give them to you. Jesus said, I, will all, I, I only worship God and serve him alone. Why? The love of God was shed abundantly in his heart. The things of the world could not move him. And it's the same for you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to read to you a text in 1 John chapter 4. We are talking about identity. And our identity is only found in the word of God through the lens of the finished work of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 4 verses 4 says that you have got little children and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you and he who is in the world. And verse 15 says that whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God has to us, God is love. And he who dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect because we have boldness in the day of judgment. I'm not waiting for judgment. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then he says, because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Wow. Wow. Then he says, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with torment. 
He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved. The love of God casts out all fear. There is no fear in me. I don't fear anything. Because his perfect love has cast out all fear. His love is shed abroad abundantly in my heart. Let's continue. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God, and we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Why are they not grievous? Because it is Christ who is at work in you. It is he who is bearing the burden. It is he who is doing the work. I have entered his rest. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is a victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given unto us. And because of that, His perfect love casts out all fear. Number one, fear of the things of the world. I'm not afraid of anybody in the world. <laughs> Why? Because greater is He that is in me and He that is in the world. That's identity. I'm not afraid of the devil. Let me read to you a text in Hebrews chapter 2. Remember, we, we've been made uh, to be siblings of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2. It says, um, for as much then as children are the, are the children which is us who are born again are partakers of flesh and blood He also talking about Jesus likewise took part of the same that through death He might destroy him that had the power of the death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death Were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So I'm no longer afraid of the devil. Absolutely not. He's a defeated foe That's why I can say to as the scripture says that God has given me power to tread over scorpions and serpents and over every power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. We are not called as Christians to be afraid of the devil, to be afraid of the world, to be afraid of anybody or anything. No one is told to be afraid of tomorrow. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow shall take care of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. You're not supposed to be afraid. Even of the day of judgment. Why? Because it says, For as he is, so are we in this world. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been, I've been justified. For me to be justified, to be declared to be righteous, to be declared to be holy, means I've passed from judgment and condemnation and death to life and life in abundance. So I'm not waiting, you know, I'm not like constantly like, Hey, am I going to miss on, out on the day of rapture when I die? What if my name is not in the book of life? The Bible says, now are we the sons of God. First John chapter 3, it says, now are we the sons of God. John 17 verse 3, Jesus said that this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So I know God. <laughs> I know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, bears witness with my spirit. Is it because I'm a better Christian than you? Is it because I read the Bible more, pray more? No, because I have, I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I'm a new creature in Christ. I am born again. Simple as that. I've put faith in the finished work of Jesus. That is identity. So the perfect love of God has cast out all fear. I don't fear anything at all. Not the future, not poverty, not sickness. He himself bore my infirmities and my sickness. By, by his stripes I am healed. Not afraid of anything. That is the identity that a Christian has. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul reminds even Timothy is being reminded, a pastor, a whole pastor. But praise God, we all need to be reminded. It's not that Timothy was sinning. No, it's just the normal, it's normal of us to forget who we are. Paul reminds Second Timothy in, in, in the book of 2 Timothy, verse he says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So because you have identity in Christ, there is no fear. There is no fear in love because the perfect love of God has cut us all fear. We're not afraid of anything at all, I'm telling you. When the world is afraid, when the world is scared, we are calm, we are tranquil, 
Jesus said, in, in this world, you shall, you shall see many tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus has already overcome. That's why we are more than conquerors. John verses 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I live with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So let the love of God be shed abundantly in your heart. And that love flows when you're spending time in his presence, when you're reading the word, when you love to be in his presence. Many Christians don't love to be in the presence of God. No wonder the love of God is not flowing in their hearts, in their lives. But the perfect love of God casts out all fear. So I can say that I've not been given a spirit of fear. Hallelujah. But of power, of love, and a sound mind, self-control. 1 Corinthians 2.16 But we have the mind of Christ. Number seven concerning um, our identity in Christ is, first, is found in 1 John chapter 2. Verses 12 to 14. Let me read it. It says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men. Young men, are you listening to me? Because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Wow, I love that. So he says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Our sins, when we came born again, our sins were, were, were put on Jesus. That's why when he was on that cross, saying, Lama, Lama, Sabatani, Elo, Elo, Lama, Sabatani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had become sin. God couldn't look at him. Your sins and mine and all sins throughout eternity were put on Jesus. But when I put faith on him, when I accepted him as my Savior and Lord, his righteousness was imputed on me. So that is why I can say, my sins are forgiven past, present and future. Now some of you would ask, where is that in the Bible? <laughs> Good question, let me answer you from the Bible. Romans chapter 5 tells us from verse 12, that through the disobedience of one man, many were made unrighteous, that is Adam. But through the obedience of one Jesus, somebody would say, unfair. <laughs> why should I suffer because of Adam's sin? Unfair. Now, using the same principle, through the obedience of one, many were made righteous. Unfair. Uh -huh. Are you seeing? You never did anything, but Jesus paid the whole price. Now you are made righteous without doing anything. Unfair. <laughs> wow, Jesus paid it all. But only, of course, this, this is not for everybody. This is for those who are born again, the elect. Amen. So, because we have been made righteous, it's, our sins are forgiven past present and future. Let me use this example. When you were dead in sin through the sins of Adam, no matter what good you did, did, it, did you tried to do or you did, did it make you righteous? No. No matter how much good you did, it could not undo your unrighteousness. So now that you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, why are you telling me that one sin, that lie you made yesterday, has made you unrighteous before God? Do you get what I'm saying? Now does that mean that you should not confess sin? Absolutely not. It says, because the same text you're told, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our sins are not being forgiven to determine our salvation or our standing before God. Do you get what I'm saying? And if you're truly born again, you can't tell me that you will sin and then you're using it as an excuse. Oh, you know, Jesus shed his blood. I'm born again so I can just live the way I want. Titus 2.11 says that the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. That's its true grace. Grace is not a license for sin, it is a power to overcome sin. Romans 6 verses 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? So if grace is truly working in me, I, the righteousness I once ignored, I accept. The sin I, love, I once loved, I hate. That is the fear of the Lord. It is to hate all evil. The grace of the Lord brings the fear of the Lord, which is not to be afraid of God, but rather to hate evil. I don't like those lies. I don't like that the fornication I was engaging in. Now that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So he says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Right? For his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you know him that is from the beginning. I know the only true God. Hallelujah. It is the greatest thing. Jeremiah said in the book of Jeremiah chapter 9, Let not the wise man glory in his, in his wisdom. Let not the rich man glory in his might. You see all these rappers with their chains and their big cars. MTV cribs showing out your house. That is the world. And sometimes Christians think that that is what you're supposed to be doing. No. He says, don't glory in your wealth. He says, let not the, 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 the mighty man glory in his strength. People like to show off their bodies. I'm strong and all these things. Um, but he says, let him that knoweth me. This is what God says. Let him who knows me glory that, I, that he knows me. The one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I'm quoting Jeremiah chapter 9. I says 23 to 24. So the only thing I boast about is that I know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom I say, that is eternal life. I have eternal life. I know God. One day I will stand before him. He will say, many will say to him, Lord, 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 have we not prophesied in your name? I have prophesied before and I'll continue to prophesy. Have we not cast out devils? I've cast out devils and I'll continue to cast out devils. Have you not done many wonderful works? But I will also say, Lord, I know you. And he will say, I know you. You are mine and I, he, is, he is mine and I am his. We are one. We have a personal and intimate relationship. This is what identity is in Christ. This is a written to you, young men. Because you are strong, the word of God abides in you. Psalm 119 verses 9 says, How shall a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the word of God. With my whole heart I have sought you, O Lord. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hid in my heart so that I may not sin against you. When the word of God is in you, you are strong and you overcome the wicked one. That is when the devil came to Jesus. If you are the son of God, it is written, it is written, it is written, and he ran away. The Bible says, resist the devil. He says, first of all, submit to God. You can't submit to God if, you're not, if you don't love his word. Then he says, resist the devil. Many people resist the devil before submitting to God. So submit to God, James 4 verse 7. He says, resist the devil. And he will free. Just tell him it is written. He runs away. He scampers away like the loser that he is. <laughs> because I'm telling you what the Bible says. So that's identity in Christ. First John chapter 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it knew him not. Then he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. I love this. Now. I'm not waiting to die, to go. I hope my book is in the book of life. I hope my good works. No. Now are we the sons of God. Then he says, It does not yet appear what it shall be, but in order that it shall appear, we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Then he says, Everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Hallelujah. So I have been made pure. This is the identity I have in Christ because I am looking towards his return. Then let me read from verses 4 to 9. It says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abides in him does not sin. Whosoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. Then it says, He who commits sin is of the devil. Now this word commit means that you are practicing sin. You are excusing it like the way Saul did. The king Saul did. He never 
he, whenever he was confronted, he had excuses. But when David was confronted, I repent. In sackcloth and ashes, he puts food aside. And then God calls him, this is a man after my own heart. King David, the one who has killed Uriah, slept with his wife and lied about it. Why? It's not about the sin, it's about your attitude towards sin. This verse is not saying that you will not sin as a Christian. It's saying that now your attitude is different. You don't justify your sin. You don't make excuses. You don't procrastinate repentance. I mean your sin, when you sin, when a person is born again, you can see it. When they sin, it disturbs them. They're like, why did I do that? I hate it. I don't want to do it. Lord, help me. Give me the grace to do so. Amen. So it says, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. That is the identity we have in Jesus Christ. I want to read you other scriptures. I want to read you other scriptures in Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6 we are told that we have been buried in Christ when we were baptized and so have been raised to, to uh, we have been raised to God so Romans 6:11 says likewise reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and to sin but alive unto Christ Jesus our Lord i reckon myself to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Christ Jesus my Lord what a blessing it is to be born again i am dead to sin but alive unto God through Christ Jesus my Lord then Romans chapter 7 verse 4 says that we have become dead to the law through the body of him who is raised from the dead. So I am married to Jesus. I've become married to Jesus. who is, He was raised from the dead. And so I bring forth fruit unto God. Jesus is the true vine. I am the branch. The father is the husbandman. 1 John 2.20 tells me that the anointing teaches me to abide. And because I abide in Jesus, I bear forth much fruit. What is the fruit of the spirit? Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the spirit. You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh because the flesh is fighting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Then he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, mute and self-control. These are the works of righteousness that Jesus is working in you. Then he says, against such there is no law, which basically means these things don't come from you trying to keep the law. They are flowing out of a relationship and intimacy you have with Jesus. That is the identity you have in Christ. Hallelujah. Paul says, who shall, he says, O wretched man, Romans chapter 7 verse 23, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I hate, I find myself doing. Because that's a, that's a Christian. You know, sometimes I've had people come to me, they're like, am I really born again? I watch pornography. I hate it. Why do I keep watching it? And I tell them, your reaction is, 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 is evidence to me that you're truly born again. Your reaction is evidence to me that you're truly born again because you hate it. It's disturbing you. It's eating you up. And just like Paul, Romans 7, 23, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Anytime you are struggling with sin, seek clearer interest in Jesus. Seek clearer interest in Jesus. Spend more time, be intimate, not trying to keep the law, but being in a hurry to be in the presence. Why? Romans 8, verses 1, says, There is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ. Why? For the law of the Spirit, hallelujah, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11 verses 16 to 17 shows what happened when I became one with Jesus. Romans chapter 11 verses 16 to 17. 
This is what it says. It says, for if the first fruit be holy, <laughs> the lamp is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if so, the branches be broken off. And thou being a wild olive tree, you have been grafted in among them. And with them you partake of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. We were Gentiles. We were away from the covenant of Israel. We had no hope in this world. But watch this, I became born again. Now I've been grafted into the olive tree. I partake of the rootness and the fatness. So Jesus is the head of the body. I am part of the body. Even if I was this pinky, even if I was this finger, even if I was just the ear or one tooth, watch this. Because the head is holy, I am holy. Wow. Because the head is righteous, I am also righteous. If I went to a bank and I found the teller, and I gave her some amount of money and the teller told me that it is your hand which gave me the money, not you. I think I would be like, there's a problem with this bank employee. Whether it is my hand or my foot that gave her the money, it is Patrick Mayo who gave her the money. So if Jesus, if Jesus being the head is holy, I am holy. If he is righteous, I am righteous. If he has all authority in heaven and earth, I have all authority in heaven and earth. If he has all authority in heaven and earth, I have all authority in heaven and earth. If he is anointed, I am anointed. If he is prosperous and wealthy, I am prosperous and wealthy. If he has dominion, I have dominion. That is identity in Christ. Not me. It is who Jesus is and he has made me part of his body. Hallelujah. I want to pray with you if you are not born again. Everything I have said in this teaching has no sense if you are not born again. These are the blessings of salvation. These are the blessings of salvation. These are the blessings of salvation. If you're not born again, but you can be born again right now. The Bible says that God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. So whosoever, I love that word, whosoever is anybody, whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have life eternal. Pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you live a perfect life. You died on the cross and you rose after three days. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And so I'm saved. Thank you, Lord. If you pray that prayer with me right now, you are born again. Your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's that simple. Only believe. If there's anyone who wants to be baptized with the Holy Spirit right now, I'll pray with you. Just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, baptize me right now where I am with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I prophesy to you who is watching me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In Jesus' mighty name. Open your tongue. The tongues will flow out of your belly. Flows rivers of living water. If there's anybody who is bound by any demonic affliction, whether it's sickness, whether you're bound to sin, sexual sin, fornication, depression, mental health, whatever, all these things I keep hearing, it is all the devil. Yeah, he's the one who kills, steals, and destroys. I want to pray with you right now. Anybody who is addicted, anybody who is being bound by sin, I declare you to be free. I rebuke every spirit, every spirit, every devil out, out of you now by the precious blood. Be free. Be free in Jesus' name. Anybody who's watching me that is sick, I declare you to be sick, to be, to be healed. I declare that sickness to leave you right now in Jesus' name. 
I declare you to be healed. All manner of sickness, all manner of disease. I don't know why I'm seeing epilepsy. Epilepsy, be free from that disease right now in Jesus' mighty name. Depression, go. Chronic sickness, cancers, HIV, AIDS, COVID-19, whatever. I rebuke it all. Sickness, go now. You are healed. I declare you to be healed. Delivered, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. This is Patrick Mayo. And we give all the praise and the glory and honor is to Jesus alone. He says he will share his glory with no man. God bless you, my friend. Amen.